think it's a Johnny Carson show or something. Pretty awesome worship, though, huh? Amen to that. There was this Buddhist monk, and uh, he says to a tofu hot dog vendor, make me one with everything. Then after getting his tofu hot dog, the Buddhist monk hands the vendor a $20 bill, and the vendor takes the $20 bill, and he begins to serve another customer. Of course, this kind of confuses the Buddhist monk. He's puzzled by this, and he says to the vendor, hey, where is my change? And the vendor says, change comes from within. Some of you might get it five minutes later. Just keep thinking about it. Well, this morning we're going to continue our series, Straight Answers. And uh, it's going to be, in some sense, a a tough message. So I would ask that you would just give it a hearing all the way through. Just listen all the way through. You might be surprised at the end. So uh, I've entitled the message this morning, You Have a Choice. You Have a Choice. Lord, I just... uh, Thank you for everyone that is here this morning. I believe that you brought them. And so I'm just asking, Holy Spirit, that you would manifest yourself now. That you would truly give us just soft hearts. That we would be open to receiving and listening to your word and what it has to say. That you would give us ears to truly hear what it's saying and what it's not saying. I ask that you would fill me from the soles of my feet to the crown of my head. There's no place for opinion, but it is a place for truth, because Jesus said the truth. You know it, you walk in it, and you shall experience freedom. And I cry out that there would be freedom here this morning. And so I'm thanking you what you're going to do now in the next several minutes, and I just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. It, it was, in fact, probably the best video that I've ever had. <laughs> And I'm so sorry that you had to miss the video. But maybe we'll get to look at it at another time. But, uh, you know, in my 30 years of ministry, one thing is crystal clear to me, and that is this. We kind of have a love-hate relationship with free will, with free choice. You know, on the one hand, we just love it. We love for the fact that we have somewhat control of our lives, that we can make choices and that we have the ability to make those choices. But on the other hand, we're not so happy. We kind of hate it because we recognize if we have the ability to make choices, then I'm going to be responsible, right, for the choices that I make. I'm going to be held accountable for those choices. And not too surprisingly, we had numerous questions on the issue of free will and choice. For example, why did God give us free will? Or how does the sovereignty of God and the free will of people work Are they, in fact, compatible? Well, let's first establish just the fact, at least in the Bible here, and that's what we always use. But let's just establish the fact that the Bible makes it clear that we do have the ability to make choice. For example, one of the great examples is found in Genesis in chapter 4. And in Genesis in chapter 4, we're introduced to Cain and Abel. And uh, Cain is actually envious of his brother Abel. And you say, well, why is he envious of his brother Abel? And the reason why is because God has rejected his offering of grain because it was an inferior offering. He gave an inferior grain, and he accepts Abel's offering because Abel gives, it says, the best 
of his flock, his sheep. And so God receives and accepts Abel, but rejects Cain. Now listen to what God says in Genesis chapter 4 to Cain. Now watch this. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. You know, the Lord's great. He already knows why Cain is angry, but he wants him to think about it. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, look at there's choice, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. So God is making it crystal clear here that, that, that Cain has a choice. And the choice is that he can remain angry. He can remain angry the fact that he was rejected by God as offering, and it'll develop into a root of bitterness. Or God is saying, you know what, Cain? You can think about what you did. You can repent of it. You can say, Lord, I am sorry I gave you an inferior offering. You can repent of that, and you can turn back to me, and you'll receive forgiveness and cleansing. Now, we all know, or at least most of us know, what the choice of Cain is. It's legendary. Cain holds on to his anger. It becomes a root of bitterness, and he murders his brother Abel. It is the first recorded murder in the Bible. And please don't miss this. God holds Cain accountable for his choice. There's a consequence for his choice. And you know what the consequence is? He spends the rest of his life a vagabond, just wandering the earth. He's homeless. In Matthew, in chapter 11, in verses 28 through 30, Jesus Christ cries out, and he says this, Come to me, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give to you is light. Jesus is saying, He's giving humanity a choice. He's saying, here's the choice. The choice is you can continue to be your own little God. You can continue to walk in self-love. You can continue to to, to walk in your own power and ingenuity, and you're going to become weary. Are you weary this morning? Are Are you just sick and tired of just relying on yourself and all the worry and anxiety that comes from it? And you know what the worst part is? Not only are you just weary, and you're empty of life, but you find yourself separated from God. See, when I I walk in my own power and you walk in your own power, you're separated from God, and you even get emptier and wearier. Are you there? And you die in that, and you spend eternity in hell. But Jesus says you don't have to do that. Jesus says there's a choice here. He says, take my yoke. Take my yoke. Now, at first, that doesn't sound so great. Doesn't sound so great. Skip, can you put up the picture? But here's, here's what he's really drawing upon. 2,000 years ago, when an ox took on a yoke, or, you know, the, 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 the cattle owner put, or the farmer put the yoke on the ox, there was always an older lead ox, bigger and stronger, and then there was the younger ox who was to learn. And the beauty of this system is that the younger ox would learn from the older ox. And the older ox had to carry most of the burden, and he was leading the way. So it was a really easy life for the younger ox as long as he followed. You know what Jesus is saying here? He's saying life can be so incredibly simple. Take my yoke. I'm the lead guy. I'm the lead guy. You put on my yoke, and it's going to be easy because I know where I'm going, and I'm going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit to follow me. 
My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And see, we have a choice. We have a choice as to whether we're going to do that or not to do that. And I just want to be crystal clear. The Bible says that we have a choice. But I also want us to be crystal clear on this point, is that we are going to be held responsible for our choices. Now, the question was actually asked, if God is omniscient, that means all-knowing, surely he knows that when he created the angels, that some of them would rebel. Some of them would rebel against him. They would choose not to love him. He also knew that when he created Adam and Eve, they would eat from the tree of good and evil, and that they would, in the end, rebel, and they would choose against him. And in fact, his progeny, Adam and Eve's progeny, would follow them because Adam and Eve pass on their rebellious, self-love nature. God had to know this. And if this is true, and by the way, it is true, it is absolutely clear in the Bible that God is omniscient. In fact, 2,700 years ago, the Hebrew prophet Isaiah wrote this in, in Isaiah chapter 46. Remember this. Fix it in mind. Take it to heart. You rebels, remember the former things, those of long ago. I am, and there is no other. I am God, and there is no one like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times still to what is coming. I say my purpose will stand, and I will do as I please. The scripture is clear from beginning to end. God is omniscient. He knows everything. So the obvious question is, why create angels knowing that they were going to rebel? Why create human beings knowing that they were going to rebel? And you know what? The answer is not that complicated. In fact, the answer is found in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 16. It says this. It's an easy verse to memorize, or part of it. God is love. Everybody say, God is love. God is love. Well, that was a weak echo. All right. All right. You know what? The God of the universe desires a loving relationship with each and every single person here, each and every single person out there. I want to be crystal clear on that point. God fundamentally is a being who loves and desires a relationship of love. Now, if you're going to have, though, a relationship of love, what's absolutely essential to have that? You have to have choice. You have to have free will. In fact, Skip put up the picture. You know, I was born in 1958. They used to talk about robots. You know, robots were a thing of the future. Well, now they're actually here. They're actually here. In fact, two months ago, you know, this, this comes out of China. There was this artificial intelligence engineer, and he created a very lifelike female rob- robot, and he married it. He married it. No, this is true. The guy said, and I quote, now listen to this, I have given up on love. I have given up on love. So he builds this very lifelike female robot. He dates her for two months. He dons on a black suit. He invites his mother, some of his best friends, and he marries the robot in a marriage ceremony. You can't make this stuff up. Now, does anybody here think that's normal? Does anybody here think that will ultimately be a satisfying relationship? Now, I know what some of you guys are thinking. Well, yeah, duh. I mean, if she does everything I want. I know what you guys are thinking. But guys, no, it won't be. We guys are morons sometimes, you know, but what can I say? 
But no, no, it won't be fun. Because you'll recognize that the only reason why she's doing what she's doing is because you programmed her that way. And you know what? That is just not very satisfying because it's not real love. And in the end, if God is love, guess what we were designed to be? Beings who desire to be in a loving relationship. Now, the obvious problem is when you give a being, whether an angel or a human, the ability to make choices, you're opening the door that they could choose against you. They could choose not to love you. They could choose not to be obedient, but rather disobedient. And we know that one-third We know that one-third of the angels, including Satan, chose against God. They used their free will. They used their choice, and they said, thank you very much, God. We're not interested in a love relationship. We're interested in being our own little God, and we're interested in self-love. And guess what? Adam and Eve made the same choice. Adam and Eve made the same choice. And you know what the tragedy is in making that choice? They passed on to their progeny. Whether you like it or not, they passed on that self-love nature that selfish nature, that nature that desires just for self-love. And we all have it. We're all just shot through with it. And if you understand this, now you understand why the world's in such trouble. Do you realize there's 7 billion people right now on planet Earth? And most of these 7 billion people have chosen against God. They're not interested in a loving relationship with God and being obedient to him. Instead, they're their own little gods. Can you imagine some 6 billion to 7 billion little gods running around? You wonder why there's a wars, racism, hate? <coughs> Seriously, I mean, politicians don't get it. The world doesn't get it. You're never going to solve this problem. Only Jesus can because we need a new heart, but that's another subject. That is another subject. I just want you to understand what the problem is. And if you understand it, you understand it's a huge, huge problem. So then here's the question. Why? Why would God do it? If he knew that angels would rebel, that people would rebel, that we're going to rebel, why do this? And you know why? No, no, listen to this. God thought it was worth it. Because you know, there's, there is no greater joy that a being can experience than being in a relationship of love. Oh, no, there, there, there is no greater feeling There is an incredible joy from within when you are in a love relationship. And you know what the sad thing is about most people on planet Earth? Because they're locked into their own little world, their own little guy. They're locked into self-love. They can't really love. See, they have pseudo-love, but they, they, they really don't understand. They've really never experienced genuine love because they can't give of themselves. They can't do it. They can only give in a way that they get back. It's a horrible, horrible place to find yourself. And so God says, you know what? It was all worth it. And so God has given each one of us the capacity to choose. Am I going to choose selfish love? Or am I going to choose to to, to have the love of a lifetime, to, to, to choose Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, give me a heart like yours so that I can really begin to experience real love and joy that I never knew. And you know what? You and you and you and you, every single person who has ever lived has to make that choice. No, no, you have to make that choice. And the question is, what choice will you make? When you die, it's game over. You will be held accountable for your choice. Those that have chosen, and and, and, uh, Paul did a great job last Sunday 
those that have chosen a love relationship with Jesus Christ will be with him for eternity. Those that have chosen against will spend eternity. God will honor that, and you'll spend eternity in hell separated from him. Now, now we're going to talk about choice. Now we're really going to get on a fun topic. But I had to set this up. The topic is homosexuality. See, this came up a lot. Not too surprising. I had questions such as, what is the big deal about the sin of homosexuality? Why does God consider homosexuality an abomination? If God created gay people, why would he condemn the lifestyle? I received questions like that. So let's just start out with probably the most interesting passage in the Bible on the subject of, of, of homosexuality. That would be Romans chapter 1. Listen to it. Don't shoot the messenger. Someone asked me, how are you doing this morning, Frank? I said, probably by the end I'll be tomatoed. But, but let, here we go. All right? Yes, they knew God. That's all of us. Now watch this. Every single... The, and by the way, I'm so tired. I do, I do witnessing all the time. I am so tired. Well, what about the aborigine? The aborigine knows God. But they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise. They instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. And they worshiped and served the created things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And then men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within. Notice this. They're suffering within themselves the penalty, you know, that they deserve. You know, I don't know about you, but uh, this is a pretty sobering passage because Paul's talking about what happens when a person, what happens when a culture decides to walk away from God? Think America here, verse 21. It says their hearts became, and their minds became darkened. Verse 22, they became fools. Verse 23, they turned to idolatry. They began to worship created things. Rather than the creator, they tried to find life in the created thing rather than the creator himself. You know, there was one well-known preacher, and he wrote about the brokenness and damage caused by idolatry. Listen to what he wrote. If you center your life and identity on your spouse or partner, you will be emotionally dependent, jealous, and controlling. The other person's problems will be overwhelming to you. If you center your life and your identity on your family and children, you will try to live your life through your children until they resent you or have no self of their own. At worst, you may abuse them when they displease you. If you center your life and your identity on your work and career, you will be a driven workaholic and a boring, shallow person. At worst, you will lose your family and friends. And if your career goes poorly, develop deep depression. If you center your life and your identity on money and possessions, you will be eaten up with worry and jealousy. And about money. you will be worried about money. You will be willing to do unethical things to maintain your lifestyle, which will eventually blow up your life. 
If you center your life and identity on relationships and approval, you will constantly be hurt by criticism and always be losing friends. You will fear confronting others, and therefore, you will be a useless friend. And interestingly enough, homosexuality centering your life and identity on sexual orientation and lifestyle, which results in perversion, emptiness, and self-loathing. So what is the response to, what's God's response to our idolatry? Verse 24, verse 24, he says, I will abandon you. I will give you up. I will turn you over. Over and over you hear the mantra in Romans chapter 1. I will abandon you. I will turn you over. And what happens when God abandons a person or a culture? Please know what God lists first. Widespread lust. God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. Then it says God abandoned them to impurity. They did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. And the next step, homosexuality. Women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. Men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned in lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves. This is sad. It is sobering. And it is crystal clear. You know, it has been occasionally said that God does not single out homosexuality. That is no worse of a sin than any other sin. And that is true. Sin is sin. But I do not want you to miss the emphasis of Romans chapter 1. The emphasis is this. Widespread homosexuality is a mark of a society that has forgotten God and rejected his word. Homosexuality is a sign of total moral decay. Total moral decay. Now, now, you know, some are going to say, well, wait a minute. Preacher, in Romans chapter 1, what Paul was talking about was either male prostitutes or he was talking about older men having young, sex with younger boys. Problem with that interpretation That means that Paul would also have to say it was wrong for older women to have sex with young girls. Anybody know when that happens? Do you you know 2,000 years ago, it was virtually unknown. A woman never, an adult woman never has sex with a young girl. In fact, did you know that in the Roman culture 2,000 years ago, they actually never legalized homosexuality? That is true. They allowed it. They allowed the Roman soldiers to practice it. That is true. But do you know that women were known as the virtuous, virtuous, you know, uh, uh, whatever, people? It was unknown. It was unknown virtually in Roman culture for, an older, for women to have sex with women. I know they did it in higher echelon parties, but it was kept in secret. It's almost, you know, in, in Romans chapter 1, as if Paul, you know, is, is, is prophesying here. He's thinking about Western culture 2,000 years later. Where here in Western culture, we're the first culture to actually legalize and encourage females having sex with one another. Did you know that? We're the first ever, first ever to do it. It's mind-blowing. There is no question that God, and if you just understand the historical context, if you understand the rules of grammar, 
that homosexuality is wrong. It is a sin. It is unnatural, and it goes against God's design. Now, some have cried out, though, listen to this. How can God condemn homosexuality when he created him that way? You ever heard that? How can he do that? In 1993, headlines were made when Dr. Dean Hamer of the National Cancer Institute studied 40 pairs of non-identical gay brothers, and he claimed that 33 of the pairs had inherited the same X-linked genetic markers, thus indicating a genetic cause for homosexuality. Let me tell you, the newspapers, they picked that story up, splashed all over the headlines, all around the world, gay gene found. Now, first you need to know, and you can check this up for yourself, Hamer's results have never been replicated. And sometime later, a study was conducted that actually contradicted Hamer's conclusions. Dr. George Ebers at the University of Western Ontario examined 52 pairs of gay brothers, and he found, and I quote, no evidence for a linkage of homosexuality to markers on the X chromosome or elsewhere, end of quote. According to the Chronicle of Higher Education, born gay theories are unfounded and politically dangerous. Dr. William Bine of Columbia University calls the inborn evidence for homosexuality inconclusive, and he compares it to trying to add up a hundred zeros so that you can get one. Well, let me move to the challenge. You know, three years ago, I was at a Jesus Soda survey, I think... uh, I don't know where we were, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> and I think it was Troy. And uh, so I suddenly I just hear this yelling, and uh, I look up, and there's a guy about 50 yards away. And, and, and he looks like he's yelling at me. I said, are you talking to me? And he says, yeah, I'm talking to you. And so I wait. I said, come on, I, I, you know, I'm getting old. I can't hear. So he moves closer. He gets within 10 yards of me, and he says, What's with you evangelicals? What's with you Christians? Why do you hate homosexuals? Why do you keep picking on homosexuals? And I said, and and, and I immediately identified myself as a pastor, and I said, you know, it is absolutely true that the Bible says that homosexuality is a sin. It is against God's design. (laughs) This guy's quick. He goes, ah, so you're a preacher. He goes, when's the last time you preached on fatness, being fat? Is that against God's design, being fat? Now I say you're getting personal. (laughs) And someone just got that, all right? That's good. But no, seriously, as God is my witness, just the week before I had preached on the sin of gluttony, and I told him, I said, you know what? you, You can check it out. I preached on the sin of gluttony. But I said, let me ask you this. I said, why is it that homosexuals feel the need to promote homosexuality? Why why, why do we have to have a gay pride parade? Why do you feel the need that I must accept what you do even though I am firmly know that it is against God's side? You know what I think we ought to do? I think we ought to have fat pride parades. And I think it ought to be a hate crime for any doctor. I am tired of doctors saying to me, you know, Frank, you're overweight, you're fat, you need to lose weight. That's a hate crime. And I think we ought to have National Fat Day on top of it. Don't you think that's a great idea? And it was funny. No, no, he was silent. He was silent. 
because I think he began, a light bulb went on. And then I said to him, look, I just, just for the record, God doesn't hate homosexuals at all. In fact, my Bible says God loves every single person desires to have a relationship with him. He loves so much that he came 2,000 years ago to planet Earth to not only die on the cross to forgive us of our sins, but to, now listen to this, so that we could be set free. See, see, God really is love. He wants to set us free from our bondage, from our addictions, and our strongholds. That's the God I know. Now, I, w- I just want to end with this scripture. I want to end on a positive note. If, if you know of somebody who's entrapped in homosexuality or lesbian or any sin at all, here's a beautiful scripture to end with. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? This is a choice now. Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin, see, that, that, that encompasses everything or who worships idols or commits adultery, or male prostitutes, so Paul even covers that, or practices homosexuality, or are thieves, or greedy people. See, God, God is an equal offender of all sinners, drunkards or abusive or, or cheap people. None will inherit the kingdom of God. But watch this. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God, and you can be free. See, that's the good news, not to tell you that you have to wallow in your vomit and and, and, and be defeated all your life. That's not good news for anybody. Good news is when you find out, hey, I'd love to tell people, I, I was a I, Susan, I, I was a jerk. I was a drunk. I was everything. But I saw this, and I thought, you don't have, Frank, you don't have to live like this. You don't have to be in bondage and in slavery. I love you. I can forgive you. I can set you free. That is the good news if you can grab it by faith. And that's a choice. You have a choice. I have a choice. Lord, I just... I know this maybe wasn't necessarily easy to hear, but it's truth from beginning to end. And we have a choice. You give us a choice. In fact, it's a way that, it's a great way that you have actually honored us by giving us choice. And we can either choose for you or against you, but if we choose against you, we choose against our design and We pay the due penalty of tremendous emptiness and weariness and confusion. And we find ourselves in addiction and bondage and enslaved. Horrible, horrible place. I pray if anybody finds themselves there, they've heard now the good news that they don't have to be there, that there's a God who loves them, loves them so much he came and made it so they can be set free. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. What a great song. What a beautiful name it is. Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has come to save us and deliver us. Oh, have your way now, I ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Hi, I'm Jeff Eckstein, one of the pastors here at Bethlehem Community Church. 
Welcome to our Sunday podcast, coming to you from the town of Bethlehem in upstate New York in the USA. Bethlehem Community Church is an independent, non-denominational, Bible-based evangelical church that includes people with backgrounds from many denominations. We believe that it is only through the love of the Father, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross, and the power of the Holy Spirit that we can come into a personal relationship with God. We are people truly seeking a deeper intimacy with God and with one another. If you'd like to know more about our church, please visit our website at www.bccdelmar.org. There you'll be able to find our statement of faith, as well as more about the ministry of Bethlehem Community Church. You'll also be able to submit prayer requests as we are called to pray with and for you. We also would love to hear your story and how you found our podcast and where you're listening from. So please visit our website and send us an email. Again, it's bccdelmar.org. That's bccdelmar.org. Thank you for joining us as we continue our pursuit of knowing God and making Him known.